0: COVID crackdown.
1: Four tickets for
2: $2,300.
0: The businesses facing big fines for putting customers
3: at risk.
2: Standing up to hate.
3: I asked them to get the F out of here.
2: The anti-gay rant he tried to stop and what it cost him.
0: And Okanagan residents get the break they were hoping for. We lifted the evacuation alert. Progress in the fight against the Christie Mountain wildfire.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC has posted COVID 19 numbers for three counting periods today, and it includes our highest one day infection total ever.
0: We have 269 new cases. That breaks down to 109 on Friday to Saturday, the highest daily number ever. 81 Saturday to Sunday and 79 Sunday through till this morning. BC's total now sits at 5,184. We had one more death. So that means we've now lost 203 people to COVID-19. 18 people are in hospital, that's up five. Five of those patients are in ICU. 4,068 people are considered fully recovered, leaving us with 913 active cases. And 2,594 people in isolation.
2: And we are learning of multiple fines handed out over the weekend, including a number of Canucks fans celebrating near Scott Road and 72nd Avenue in Surrey. Officers say even though the crowd gathering on Friday night following the team's win was more than 1,000 people, they had to focus on traffic and pedestrian safety in the area. They handed out seven tickets for seatbelt violations from people hanging out of windows and sunroofs. Surrey RCMP also issued four other violation tickets to businesses and event organizers for not complying with COVID-19 health orders. Those include a restaurant, two event and banquet spaces, and an after-hours club.
5: I think this is a, a, an unfortunate but necessary step to make sure that those small number of people who are breaking the rules despite being warned, despite um, having uh, putting people at risk, particularly in our own communities, our own families, that we have some tools that we can use uh, to support enforcement as well. So I, I think that is the right thing to do, and I think it's been used in the right way. All
0: right, we're going to bring in Keith Baldry now for more on these numbers. Keith, the uptick is obviously a concern for all of us, but health officials aren't sounding the alarm just yet. And a little context
6: behind the numbers helps explain why. Exactly. Dr. Bonnie Henry, re- returning to the public eye today after a week away. Uh, and again, providing some context with those big numbers. Yes, 90 a day is not what we want, but it's, it's manageable. And she points out our transmission rate still remains low. Our hospitalizations remain low. Our, our ICU cases remain low. We don't have as many deaths as other jurisdictions. So a bit of calm in the message from Dr. Bonnie Henry today.
5: Despite the recent outbreaks and clusters that we have seen in the past week, and the rising case numbers, we still have low undetected transmission in our province. We are able to find and connect most people who have this disease. But we want to keep it that way. We need to keep it that way as our summer continues and we look to the fall. It's about finding that balance, being able to live with this virus but ensure that we are doing what we can to keep our society, our medical system, and our economy going.
6: So another reason why our case numbers are up, guys, is that we're doing more testing. We've been, uh, been testing about 1,500 just about six weeks ago. Uh, over the weekend, it was almost 4,000 a day, 4,300 on uh, Friday. Our positivity te- uh, case rate, test rate is about 2.3%, which is still very low. So we're testing more people who we, uh, the officials think are most likely to have the virus, and yet the positive case rate remains low. So that's the reason for hope. One final note, I took a deeper dive into those 269 cases, and as you know, I've been reporting on the The sort of explosion in the number of young people testing positive, that uh, percentage has gone down. It's gone from a little over 60% to 50% over that weekend grouping. So that's an interesting uh, statistic. We'll see if that trend continues in the weeks ahead. We'll keep an eye on it. All right. Thanks very much, Keith.
2: A big change today for people using public transportation in B.C. Today is the first day that anyone traveling with TransLink, B.C. Transit or B.C. Ferries is required to wear a mask. But as Ted Chernecki reports, the question of enforcement is still up in the air.
4: At least at TransLink, passengers who didn't have a mask were given one until they ran out. In a coordinated push, BC Ferries is joining with TransLink, also making face coverings mandatory as of today.
7: Like, if you're taking a bus towards the ferry and you're required to have it on the bus, why would you not be required to wear a face covering on board the ferry as well?
4: But how mandatory is mandatory? Because there were still riders not wearing a mask, not many, about 5%. I'll
8: wear it if I'm near a lot of people, I'll put my mask on. But walking outside to and from the boat, or if you're outside on the the boat, why would you have to wear it. I think it's about safety, as long as everyone wears one, we can uh, contain the spread.
9: Yeah, no, I think it's a really good idea. It doesn't bother me at all to wear a mask, honestly. It's really effortless at this
4: point. Both transit and ferry say this is a soft launch, another awareness campaign. No one was refused boarding today for not complying. The BC Marine Workers Union didn't return our calls today, but in the past has questioned why BC Ferries isn't at least offering masks for sale. Our members have seen really significant instances of verbal abuse from people who are demanding to get on ferries
10: because they're residents of certain communities.
7: And as with any of our other COVID-19 regulations, if a customer is not willing to abide by the policy, they can be denied travel for
11: the day.
4: Ferries reiterated it won't be selling masks, but is open to the idea if it can reduce tension in the lineups. Ted Shinnaker, Global News.
0: Banquet halls are again pleading with the province for more leniency on large gatherings. The industry says it's following COVID rules and can't survive without a boost in capacity. But as Sarah McDonald reports, BC's top doctor is still not willing to budge. Well, we'd like to see a little bit more increase in capacity.
8: It's a change in tone, sort of, from less than two weeks ago, when BC Banquet Hall operators appealed to the province to allow larger gatherings at their venues with bylaw officers on hand to ensure the rules were being followed.
12: No problem, our doors are open. Uh, you know, our everything is, is proper with our organization.
8: On Monday, days after at least two banquet halls were fined in Surrey, the province's banquet hall association went public with a plea for government officials to either allow increased capacity or shut them all down.
13: To operate a, a function with 50 people is not feasible for our society.
8: Like so many other industries, banquet hall operators say they simply can't compete with COVID. And they can't win when it comes to striking a balance between safety and satisfying clients.
12: What we're feeling is, is as soon as the customer comes to us and say, look, you know, we've been we, we've been having such a good time all week long and then we come to your banquet hall and you've got all these restrictions.
8: Already collectively, banquet halls across the province say they're losing tens of thousands of dollars on a weekly basis, bracing for annual losses in the tens of millions of dollars. So now they're seeking financial assistance from all levels of government.
12: It's a very serious matter, and we need some help now. We we need some help. Uh, locally from the municipal here. Either they can help us with uh, our property taxes, they can help us with our rent.
8: The province, meantime, standing firm in its stance on operating guidelines and not budging as sectors ask for special exemptions.
5: It is like the events that we have in every other situation and right now... For consistency across the board, we are staying at 50.
8: And it appears the province won't be making an exception here either, leaving banquet halls like so many other industries to sink or swim. Sarah MacDonald, Global News.
2: The Conference Board of Canada says BC is among the province's best position to rebound from COVID-19. The Ottawa-based think tank predicts Canada's real gross domestic product will fall by 8.2% this year and that it will take until the next end of next year for our economy to return to its pre-pandemic output. But in BC, the Conference Board suggests real GDP will fall by just 5.5% this year and grow by 6.7% in 2021. The report says BC has curbed the the spread of COVID while being boosted by construction and major energy projects.
0: He tried to do the right thing and it cost him a broken leg. A local sportscaster talks about his decision to confront a preacher spewing anti gay hatred and how he ended up in hospital in just over a minute. <laughs>
2: The startled reaction of a little girl from Newfoundland when Wales put on a spectacular show. That's coming up on the News NewsHour.
0: And how millions of people around the world just found out what Vancouverites already know about Kit's outdoor pool. That's later.
2: Right now, though, the victim of a violent attack in Vancouver over the weekend is speaking to Global News tonight.
0: Justin Morissette was attacked by anti-gay demonstrators when he asked them to stop. And as Aaron MacArthur shows us, it raises questions about the actions of Vancouver police and the city of Vancouver.
3: And then when I heard what was being said, I took it a step further and told them to uh, pack their things and leave because you're not welcome in this uh, neighborhood.
9: From his hospital bed, Justin Morissette recalling the events of Saturday night and how he ended up with a badly broken leg. The gruesome injury, a result of an altercation with a group calling themselves Christian preachers. After he grabbed the mic from the speaker, there was a fight.
3: He broke my leg on purpose uh, and and threw me to the ground and took his microphone back.
9: The Bible says a man, a woman shouldn't correct a man. So go home and talk to your husband. The weekend violence, just the latest incident related to this group. For months, they have taken up spots in the West End shouting religious anti-LGBTQ messaging. The VPD well aware of what's been happening. Officers have responded on four different occasions to complaints about the content and volumes of the rantings. In this latest incident, police are recommending charges of aggravated assault and mischief.
10: Our hate crimes investigators are looking at each of those files as well as the incident that happened this past Saturday to see if they have crossed the line and gone into a, some sort of criminal element.
9: One of the suspects, Dore Love, dropped a social media post Monday explaining his take on the fight.
6: Mike out of my hand forcefully snatched me out of my hand and pushed me out the way um that's assault and robbery he was charged with nothing people in the community want to
9: know why it's taken so long for the police to take this seriously
5: i don't know why uh, they haven't been shut down yet i've asked for an answer it never should have come to this these hateful people who claim to be preachers are not welcome in the west end they shouldn't come back
9: 48 hours later Morrisett says the pain is excruciating Uh,
3: but ultimately, I think I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I had just turned the other cheek and walked away and ignored this.
9: The two suspects have been released on a promise to appear. Crown counsel has yet to approve charges. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The
0: city of Penticton has lifted the evacuation alert issued for more than 3,600 properties once under threat from the Christie Mountain wildfire.
2: But while some residents of Penticton are breathing a collective sigh of relief, others still remain out of their homes. Global's Travis Lowe has the latest.
10: At 10 30 a.m., we lifted the evacuation alert. After rescinding the
3: evacuation alert notice for almost 3,700 Penticton properties Monday morning.
5: I'd like to start by confirming that our evacuation order for the Heritage Hills area of Electoral Area D, 319 properties, is still in effect.
3: Officials were quick to point out that the Heritage Hills subdivision is still off-limits. And until BC Wildfire Service does relinquish control of it, RDOS officials are asking for patience from those still affected while they work to assess infrastructure damage in the fire zone.
5: There are burnt trees that may be dangerous and pose a risk of falling. Possible damage to power lines and the restoration of utilities, such as electricity and gas, must be investigated.
3: With no major flare-ups, cooler temperatures and the Christie Mountain Fire holding steady again at around 2,035 hectares, The hope is that the Heritage Hills evacuation order and an alert for 116 homes in the Upper Carmi area could be lifted in the next few days. When homeowners are eventually allowed to return to Heritage Hills, it will be through a staged re-entry approach. It'll all happen if all goes well in one day at different time slots. So we do ask residents to be mindful of that. Mayor John Vasilaki reiterated his gratitude on behalf of the city of Penticton.
1: Not only to our residents uh, and businesses, but to everyone who cares about our
5: community.
3: Travis Lowe, Global News, Penticton. Just ahead, game on for young athletes.
5: It's still a very controlled
0: phase. Return to play guidelines that make it a whole new ball game.
2: And the big job ahead for new federal Conservative Party leader, Aaron O'Toole.
14: Traffic is busy but steady in both directions here at the Alex Fraser Bridge this evening. Keep in mind there are lane closures for overnight maintenance between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Kermak Collision and Autoglass have been family run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermak. For location information, visit Kermak.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
0: The rules won't be exactly the same as they were before, and in some cases, not even close. But more amateur sports are getting the go-ahead to return to the field or rink. The province is moving ahead with phase three of the return to sport
10: guidelines. Brad McLeod has the details. Play ball, says the province. You just have to follow the new rules.
15: So this is very exciting for amateur
2: sport today as we released our uh, phase three return to sport guidelines.
10: Via Sport consulted several BC sports organizations. It has been probably
12: the busiest time that I've had in my time with the organization, even though soccer wasn't happening on the fields.
10: BC soccer was anxiously awaiting how their local clubs can play.
12: It's the only major modification on field ...is moving away from throw-ins and doing kick-ins
10: only right now. Via Sports says gameplay should essentially be the same.
2: All the sports that we work with will look at these guidelines and build out their uh, game plan.
10: Cohorts will be key for competing. Sports fall into four categories. Activities like golf and tennis are in Group A. They have the most freedom because social distancing is possible. Group B for sports like baseball and curling... Teams can compete within cohorts of 100 people. Now, those which require closer contact, like hockey, basketball, and soccer, are limited to 50 people or four teams which can play against each other. And combat sports like karate and boxing max out at 10 people. BC Soccer says they are ready to go.
12: Then as of September 7th,
10: gameplay can be considered. But local clubs and volunteers may need time to figure out the logistics.
5: It's not a full-on back-to-tournaments.
10: When asked
5: if sports cohorts on top of school cohorts is a health risk. The next phase of opening up to some sports is not about expanding large numbers. It's about um, being able to have local teams play each other. So it's still a very controlled phase.
10: Players are expected to keep two metres apart when not playing as for spectators?
2: Uh, at this point, probably have very limited fan engagement.
10: Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria.
2: Since the start of the pandemic, healthcare workers have been celebrated as heroes. But a new UBC study points to a much darker view emerging, with a significant slice of the population viewing doctors, nurses and hospital staff as potential spreaders of COVID-19 and people to be avoided. Linda Ellsworth reports. This 7 o'clock salute
1: to healthcare workers showed our appreciation for their selfless efforts. And yet many healthcare professionals are being stigmatized. Some have
8: not been able to find childcare, some have had spouses been been let go from work, others have not been able to get transportation to or from their place of work.
1: Some have even lost housing because of fears that
4: they might spread the disease. Cheering healthcare workers from the safety of your balcony is very different from getting into an elevator with healthcare workers. So I decided that we should do some research on this.
1: UBC professor Stephen Taylor surveyed 3,500 Canadians and Americans about their levels of fear of healthcare workers.
4: Frankly, I was surprised at how widespread it was. I was expecting maybe 10, 10, 15 percent of people would express some fear. But in response to the statement, healthcare workers
1: are likely to have COVID-19, 32 percent agreed. And to the statement, I do not want to be around healthcare care workers who treat COVID-19 patients,
4: 47 percent agreed. They have enough stress already. They don't need the added stress of the after work shunning or fear or avoidance. It gets worse. To the statement,
1: for the safety of the community, healthcare workers should not go out in public, 25% agreed. And to healthcare workers who treat people with COVID 19 should be isolated, 36% agreed. But are these fears warranted?
4: You're more likely to get COVID 19 from riding a bus than going into a hospital. Yeah.
1: Healthcare workers are only 0.04% more likely to have COVID 19 than the general public. There's
4: widespread fear of healthcare workers based on misinformation.
2: Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Up ahead, Donald Trump fights for four more years.
7: This convention will come to order.
2: What the president said in an unannounced appearance at the Republican National oh. Convention.
0: And the one-two punch from a pair of tropical storms. The American states fearing the worst 15 years after Hurricane Katrina.
14: Traffic is moving well in both directions here at the Massey Tunnel tonight. Two lanes both ways. Just keep in mind, much like the Alex Fraser Bridge, overnight maintenance causes lane closures in both directions from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. From help on the road to protecting your home and car, BCAA's local experts are here for your insurance needs. Visit bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 99 and the Massey Tunnel.
0: Major fires are burning in northern Argentina's Cordoba province. Strong winds and dry conditions are fueling the flames, forcing a number of evacuations and threatening to destroy homes there. According to local reports, more than 14,000 hectares of land have been consumed. That's about 140 square kilometers. The cause of the fire is under investigation, but it's suspected they were started by people trying to clear the land for agricultural purposes.
2: Well, the wildfire situation is going from bad to worse in California, as exhausted firefighters are now bracing for more bad weather. Oh, no, no, no. No. 14,000 firefighters are battling fires that have scorched 5,600 square kilometers, an area twice the size of Metro Vancouver. More than 600 fires have killed at least seven people and destroyed more than 1,200 homes and other structures. Police have also arrested more than a dozen people for looting evacuated homes. In the forecast, more hot, dry weather and even more dry lightning.
0: Well, it's night one of the Republican National Convention where President Trump is set to speak every night. The
2: president already making an unannounced appearance in North Carolina where he was formally
11: renominated. <laughs> Republicans tonight making it official. They're the party of President Trump for four more years, they hope.
15: Now, if you want to really drive him crazy, you say 12 more years. <laughs>
11: The renomination in Charlotte, in person, not virtual, with fewer delegates than usual, more rally than roll call, after a surprise speech by the president. His advisors, scoffing at a Democratic convention full of doom and gloom, they say, previewed a Republican event packed with positivity and optimism. But on day one, instead, grievances and false claims.
10: The only
4: way they can take this election away from us is if this is a rigged election. We're going to win right. this election.
11: Right. We're going to win this election the president repeating debunked warnings of widespread mail-in ballot fraud, despite experts saying there have been only isolated incidents, and blasting Joe Biden for suggesting he'd order another pandemic lockdown if it were recommended.
12: I would shut it down. I would listen to the scientists. Biden the other day said, no, he'd shut it down. We just broke a record on jobs, an all-time record.
11: That focus on the economy, especially pre-coronavirus, is central to the president's re-election strategy.
12: But think of your life just prior to the the plague coming in. It was the best it's ever been.
11: And his campaigns putting controversial culture war moments front and center at the convention, starting tonight with a speaking slot for the McCloskeys, the St. Louis couple who pulled guns on Black Lives Matter protesters on their property. The president's son, Donald Trump Jr., is expected to go on offense this evening, and the president himself will have a role each night of the convention. The TV producer-in-chief, proving it's not just his party, but this week his show. And top presidential advisor Kellyanne Conway will still speak at the convention this week, even after announcing she's stepping down from her role to focus on family. She says she's ready for less drama, more mama.
0: The man at the center of one of the most sensational murder trials in U.S. history has had his death sentence overturned. Scott Peterson was convicted in 2004 of killing his wife Lacey, who was eight months pregnant with her son at the time. Police said that on Christmas Eve of 2002, Peterson dumped the bodies from his fishing boat into San Francisco Bay, where they surfaced months later. Peterson had claimed his trial was flawed for many reasons. The California Supreme Court today ruled the trial judge made a series of errors that undermined his right to an impartial jury at the penalty phase and overturned the death sentence. It upheld the guilty verdict.
2: The Conservative Party of Canada has picked a new leader and with a looming confidence vote in the House of Commons, Aaron O'Toole has his work cut out for him. Abigail Beeman tells us more about who he is and what he'll need to do to win at the next ballot box.
3: Next prime Minister.
2: After a long night of dramatic delays,
7: conservatives across Canada picked Aaron O'Toole as their next leader. With an election possible as early as this fall, O'Toole knows that now he has to convince the rest of the country. I'm Aaron O'Toole. You're going to be seeing and hearing a lot from me in the
10: coming weeks and months.
7: O'Toole was Veterans Affairs Minister in Stephen Harper's Cabinet. The Air Force veteran and lawyer is a Greater Toronto Area MP. The perceived frontrunner was another Harper Minister, Peter McKay. But O'Toole won comfortably with big leads in many parts of the country, including Quebec, critical for the Conservatives in the next election. The ranked ballot system means he was aided by support from third and fourth place contestants Leslin Lewis and Derek Sloan. Both are social Conservatives. O'Toole made it clear he'll focus on broadening the conservative base. Whether you are black,
12: white, brown, or from any race or creed, whether you are LGBT or straight, whether you are an Indigenous Canadian or have joined the Canadian family three weeks ago or three generations ago, whether you're doing
10: well or barely getting by, whether you worship on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, or not at all, you are an important part of Canada
0: and you have a home in the Conservative Party of Canada.
7: As for his platform, O'Toole focused on economic recovery in his victory speech.
12: We can rebuild our great country while protecting Canadians from the ongoing threat of COVID-19. We can get Canadians back to work, be proud of the things we grow build and produce in Canada again.
7: And it seems his campaign wants that speech to stand as his comments for his first day on the job. The new Conservative leader isn't expected to take questions from the media until a news conference Tuesday. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa.
0: A pair of humpback whales in Newfoundland put on a spectacular show for a 10-year-old girl and her dad. That is just the best reaction. Sarah Russell and her dad Sean were fishing Sunday on Conception Bay. They knew the whales were nearby feeding, which isn't uncommon there. But when Sean saw the pair dive, he grabbed his camera, and much to their delight, not one but both whales breached and spun around. Sarah says it was a dream come true. She wanted to see a whale more than she wanted to catch a fish.
2: In Health Matters tonight, the authors of a new study looking into overdose deaths in BC say their findings point to the need for new strategies to help stop the dying. The study, published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, looked at nearly 1,800 overdose deaths in B.C. between 2015 and 2017. It found that despite a major province-wide drop in the prescription of opioids, the death rate from illegal drug overdoses has kept climbing. The authors say instead of focusing on the deep prescribing of opioid drugs as painkillers, better access is needed to opioid substitutes like suboxone and methadone.
15: There's a need for um, patient-centered opioid prescribing. So for some people, that means that opioids have been effective for them or are a good alternative to the toxic, illicit drug market. For other people, that means assessing whether opioids are continuing to have benefit and what other supports and medications might be of use.
0: Up ahead, father-son beekeepers creating a buzz. All right, so we'll get everything zipped up. How their sweet story is about more than bonding.
2: And the game within the game. How the Canucks versus Knights playoff series turned into a chirp fest.
12: I'm Squire Barnes. Burnaby Hospital has been serving our community for nearly 70 years. But it's time for an upgrade. Support their transformation to a world-class facility to meet growing health needs for generations to come. Proudly supported by Global BC.
0: You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Kitts Pool gets some global recognition. We'll show you how right after Christie's forecast.
2: Just before Christie's forecast, though, the Gulf Coast is on edge today with two storms churning toward the shoreline.
0: Marco has been downgraded but is still a dangerous tropical storm. And now forecasters warn tropical storm Laura could become a major hurricane by the time it reaches shore.
13: Tonight, back-to-back storms bearing down on the Gulf Coast after knocking out power to more than a million homes in the Caribbean and claiming at least nine lives. States from the Panhandle to the parishes of Louisiana and Texas bracing for impact this week. New Orleans' position precarious.
5: As, as packed as it
2: can get.
13: Teresa France lost everything during Katrina.
5: It's too dangerous to ride out a hurricane.
13: She's now seeking refuge in a shelter with mandatory temperature checks and a special section for COVID-positive evacuees as the city pauses COVID testing through at least Tuesday.
10: 2020 is just uh, unbelievable, and on top of that is
13: COVID. Choppy waters, Gulf cities are forced to navigate as the prospect of a major hurricane looms. Here in New Orleans, the waters on Lake Pontchartrain are already getting rocky, but the concern is not what it looks like now, but what it could look like in 48 hours after Laura barrels through the Gulf and potentially gives this storm surge another jolt. Normally bustling blocks in the French Quarter, now barren with sandbags and boarded windows.
14: It's kind of like, what else can they throw at us?
13: Business owner Lisa Saladino may be forced to close her gift shops as the storm approaches.
5: We're just going to take it day by day. Things are going to change just uh, as, as fast as the updates change.
13: A city perpetually in flux, finding itself in a familiar place. Sam Brock, NBC News, New Orleans.
0: Hoping the best for all the folks along the coast, for sure.
2: All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon now with a nice forecast for us. Very pleasant, Christy.
15: Very pleasant, yes. So we're approaching the end of August, everyone. We're in our last stretch of August, and we've got some great weather in store for you. You can squeak out a little bit more summer. So that's why we're getting the sunflower photos. Yes, lots of them coming in and we always get that as we approach uh, fall. Not the season of fall but approach September. This is from Prince George. Thank you to Pat for that one. And look at this Chilliwack Sunflower Festival is happening. They had a tough go with the uh, Tulip Festival. They were closed down because of COVID. So get out there and support them, not only in Chilliwack but in Abbotsford also. Quick look back so far in August. Just want to give you a rundown of the numbers so far. Uh, We are below average in terms of temperature. We've had Less days in rain than typically we would see in the month of August, but we've had more rain in total, and that's all because of one major day. We we had 25.6 millimeters of rain on August 6th, and it has been we've had stretches of dry weather, but over the last couple of days, a little bit wet. So You've got lots to look forward to. It looks like we're going to be able to enjoy summer. But when we talk about the forest fire situation, we had an improvement for the forest fire danger rating across the south coast, but that's slowly going to get worse. So be really careful. We're going to be back to that southeastern corner uh, in terms of ratings in not too long with no major rain in the forecast right through till the end of August. Fires of note right now, three of them in the southeastern corner. They had cloud cover, a few showers today in cooler conditions, but they also saw gusty winds generally out of the north. North for the Penticton area. So, Gus in some areas up to 35 kilometers an hour, Cranbrook at 46, just to give you an idea. Good news is, though, things are going to die down. We'll see the sunshine and no major rain in the forecast, but the winds are going to ease off. But that is a cause for concern with no major rain. Northwestern BC, you will see some rainfall tomorrow. Otherwise, the province can expect sunshine, near seasonal values, pleasant conditions, not only tomorrow but over the next several days. So enjoy the last bit of August, everyone, because we don't know what September has in store for us. And I'll leave you with our central windows, weather window, a stunning shot with the cloud cover off in the distance with uh uh, this is from sonico aurora who sends in a lot of photos but i love it with the cloud cover there as the sun's going down
2: that is gorgeous pretty cool
0: name too i love Mm -hmm. Sonico's name all right Mm -hmm. thanks very much christy well we know it's great but as it turns out others think kit's pool is pretty fantastic too
2: CNN Travel putting out its list of the world's best tidal and oceanside pools and Kits Pool made the grade. The article listing beautiful spots by the coast offering the chance for a perfect summer dip without the need to keep an eye out for kayakers and kite boarders. Other spots on the list include Porto Moniz in Madeira, Portugal and Giola in Thassos, Greece.
0: Pretty stiff competition for Kits Pool and yeah, it's good to make the
2: list. Pretty yeah. gorgeous there too.
0: Yeah. All right, speaking of stiff competition, the Canucks
12: are into it now, aren't they, Squire? Well, one game does not a series make, but that was a little disturbing last night mm-hmm. because the Golden Knights kind of ran over the Canucks in game one and they did a lot of chirping, too. They walked the talk. We'll uh, discuss all of that and look back at Alfonso Davies' Big Sunday.
0: All right, what a great, uh, what a great sports night it was.
12: Also, tonight, a five year
0: old beekeeper following in his father's footsteps.
2: I managed the first period.
0: (laughs) I couldn't get Past. It was hard. it was tough slug
2: and not yeah. it just. It only got Canucks, really bad, bad in the second. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was out. I had they were studio. still in
12: the game. All right. Well, you didn't miss much unless you're a Golden Knight fan. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights are big, like the St. Louis Blues, but unlike the St. Louis Blues, they are also fast. They are just as fast as Vancouver. But last night, it looked like a Formula One car. Drag racing a minivan. The Canucks were overwhelmed constantly by how quickly the Ducks got in their make that the Ducks. The Knights got in their faces, and the main target was Quinn Hughes. They disrupted his game all night long to the point where you could clearly see through the television set how frustrated and dejected Hughes was.
3: Quinn is as I said, one of the most skilled people I've ever played with and one of the most confident players I've ever played with. So I I have no doubt in my mind that when we play next game, he he's going to be fine. And he's, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be flying out there.
0: You know, I did talk to Quinn briefly last night. I will again today. Uh, Quinn's a great player. He's going to be a great player in the league for a long time. And the one thing about good, young, great players, they usually adjust, uh, to different situations. And, uh, I expect him to adjust as well.
12: Brandon Sutter there trying to pump him up. Uh, The Canucks didn't just lose on the scoreboard last night. They also lost the trash-talking battle with Vegas, especially Ryan Reeves, the most golden-throated of the Golden Knights. He spent the majority of the game tormenting Antoine Roussel by, among other things, clucking like a chicken, which you could clearly hear in an empty arena.
3: So I think it happens every game it's just maybe a bit more out there because you guys can hear it um, it happens every game, it's nothing that's out of the norm.
12: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of witty comments there, they're sharp guys and they've got they've got uh, good humor to them and uh, they're
6: engaged so there's a lot of funny stuff that goes on back there that you you, uh, you know you obviously try and keep your focus but you know we, we have our moments back there
12: All right, game one between the Flyers and the Islanders. The Islanders dispatched of Washington, and they have a good start against Philly. Philly's last game against Montreal, I thought they were actually kind of lucky to win that game against the hazard. They couldn't win tonight. Andy Green with the goal there to make it 1-0. In the third, it's 2-0 now. Nice passing. Matt Barzell, Anders Lee, 4-zip the final, Islanders over Philadelphia. What offset the Canucks getting aced out by Vegas yesterday was former Vancouver Whitecap Alfonso Davies winning the Champions League trophy with Byron Munich. It really didn't take very long to go from this to this.
3: From Vancouver to Champions League winner. Congratulations, Alfonso Davies.
5: It feels really good. It feels really good. It feels like. You know, it's everything you dream of as a kid, Um, you know, growing up in Edmonton, cold Edmonton. It was just two years ago that Davies was still
12: a Vancouver Whitecap. Now he's a starter on the best club team in the world. And during Bayern Munich's unbeaten run to the Champions League title, Davies was one of their most talked about players, even though this team is a galaxy
5: of stars.
4: Brilliant run by Davies. Sensational, sensational.
5: Um, you know, just goes to show you, anybody, you know, if you say your mind to it, you can do anything you say your mind to. So I'm happy that I'm here, you know, with the Champions League, you know, medal around my neck and the trophy beside my side.
2: They may
12: be the best soccer club, but they're not very good at karaoke. The uh, Vancouver Whitecaps are still in eastern Canada. They watched their old friend Alfonso Davies win the Champions League yesterday. What they can't seem to do is figure out how to win a game themselves in MLS. They lost twice to Toronto last week and tomorrow they're in Montreal. Now it's Auro, steps past Russell Tybert.
6: Getting run over in back-to-back losses by Toronto FC was not how the Whitecaps wanted to return to the pitch. Caps never in either one of their matches, possessing the ball just 56% of the time. That's combined
16: possession time from both matches. When we came back, from the MLS's back tournament, we had almost 11 guys out. And then we, right away, we couldn't get on the field to work. We had to go straight to our homes and stay in quarantine for 14 days. And then when we came back, we had about eight days where, in the first two, three days, we couldn't have everybody together. Um, and then we slowly started working again where maybe we had five training sessions with everybody where our last session with everyone was five months and a half ago.
6: Tilting the field in favor of the Whitecaps requires way more possession time and quality runs. Vancouver had two shots on target total for both matches versus TFC. Somehow, someway, this team needs to funnel the ball into Lucas Cavallini. But without a crafty, creative midfielder, you have to wonder if that's possible.
16: So what we have to do um, is to find solutions inside our roster that are going to allow Kava to be in a better position. That's number one. Number two, um, Kava also needs a little bit of time and rhythm to get going again. His last game was almost six months ago before playing Toronto.
12: Speaking of Toronto, Blue Jays and Rays in Tampa Bay. That all rhymed. Uh, Randy Gritchuk here with the uh, three-run shot as seventh homer of the year. And the Jays win it 6-4. to four. They are one game over 500 right now.
0: There you go. Playing good ball. All right, thanks very much, Squire.
2: Let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11, Jay.
12: Thank you, Sophie. We'll have more tonight on the crackdown over the weekend on those violating COVID-19 safety regulations. Plus, a search is underway in Coquitlam tonight for a man who hasn't been seen since heading out on a hike near Eagle Mountain over the weekend. We'll let you know about the special challenges searchers are facing in trying to find him. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11.
2: Sounds good. Thanks, Jay.
12: And when we come back, a story guaranteed
0: to take the sting out of Monday for you.
2: (laughs) I think we did there.
0: Thank Five-year-old New Brunswick boy has been a busy bee these past few months.
2: He has spent the summer being schooled by his dad and now knows exactly what he wants to be when he grows up. Global Shelly Steves has the story.
12: Alright, so we'll get everything zipped up.
2: It's not unusual for a son to want to follow in his father's
17: footsteps, but when five-year-old Tucker Casey told his dad that that he wanted to help tend to his honeybees, well, it sure was an unexpectedly sweet moment.
12: He wanted a bee suit. He wanted to be like like Dad.
17: So Dad suited up Tucker with the smallest bee suit he could find, and they hit the hives for some old-fashioned hands-on learning. I've been learning what what bees do
12: so we'll just give them a little bit of smoke here just let them know we're coming in he's uh learning all the the components of the hives all the equipment um he he can spot queens on the frames he's learning what they look like you want to take the lid off there bud
17: even with the bees buzzing all around him tucker shows absolutely no fear
12: you can take that box off too and just just set it in behind the hive in
17: fact the busy little bee looks like a natural
12: Just watch the feeder pail, good job.
17: Matt says bonding with his boy is his ultimate goal, but he's also hoping to pass on his knowledge about the important part bees play in food production and in the pollination of crops. They go on your vegetables and then they'll grow. According to the New Brunswick Beekeepers Association, there is a shortage of commercial beekeepers in the province, which is why blueberry growers have to import bees to pollinate their crops which was harder to do this year amid COVID-19.
12: Normally we rely on uh, imports of honeybees from Ontario and Quebec, but with the border closures, it did uh, make it harder for those to get in.
17: So he's trying to raise at least one more homegrown honeybee keeper to help revive what he calls a dying art.
12: Awesome job, bud.
17: And it appears as though his plan B is working. Do you think that when you grow up, you might want to be a beekeeper like your dad? Yeah. Shelley Steves, Global News steve's mountain
2: love it and we're wondering how they found a beekeeper outfit for a five-year-old <laughs> it's yeah. tiny i lent him hard. mine
0: <laughs> that's squire that wouldn't fit you that's right
15: Good point oh come on oh. <laughs> he <awesome>. said it
0: <laughs> <laughs> i said it then we can tease him about it only when he starts it right uh okay last word on weather before we go we saw some beautiful pictures of sunflowers and we're actually going to get some sun too
15: That's right. So cruise control for the next several days, it looks like right through till the end of August. I keep urging everyone to tune back in because that could change. But overall, we're looking at a pretty stable pattern with near seasonal values. And the key, in my opinion, is the comfortable temperatures at night. So dropping down Mm. to about 12, 13 degrees. So that's good news. Don't have to leave the fan on. Yeah, that's
0: right. Thanks very much for watching, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
15: Good night, all.